Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, good morning. I want to take this opportunity to welcome everybody who's watching and listening online. We're believing for God to minister in your lives through the Word and through the teaching of His, His Spirit that goes forth. Well, last week we started a, a talk on uh, dreams and supernatural visions. And one of the things that we looked at was who can have dreams? Are dreams scriptural? How do we judge a dream? So let's start with looking, and this will be a review for the first part. Let's look at Romans 12.2. And we won't turn there, but just to remind you, Romans 12.2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I told you, I tell a lot of stories when I get up here. Um, when I was working at Valley Block, I made a mold for a concrete block, and there was an imperfection on it. When I was welding, I had a, a splatter, and it stuck to, to one of the sidewalls. I didn't notice it. So every block that we made came out with that imperfection in it. And really that's what happens if we allow the world to, to conform us, is it puts us into a mold, and it's an imperfect mold, and it turns us away from God and to things that it wants to bring up. Um, if we think the same thing that the world does, we're going to get the same results that the world gets. So we have to be transformed. We have to be metamorphized into something completely different. Make our thinking line up with God's Word. Make it line up with righteousness. We should love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates and not allow the world to influence us. <clears throat> we talked about it. It would be wonderful if you could just instantly do that. You turn off the computer, you turn it back on, and it loads up correctly. Yay! Uh, <laughs> But it's not that easy. It's a lifelong uh, process. Um, I saw a, a thing, that, a little a clip that, that said that Adam died spiritually, and then it took 900 and some years for his body to die. Well, we're the opposite. We're alive spiritually, but it takes a, it takes a while to get for our spirit uh, and our mind to get re Our spirit's perfect, but it takes a while for our mind to get renewed and influence us. Well, we looked at 2 Timothy 3.16, and that says that all Scripture is given and profitable for doctrine, it's profitable for reproof, it's profitable for correction, teaching and training in righteousness. So when we have something that we're questioning, we can go to the Scripture, and we can use Scripture to determine what is right and what is wrong. And I mentioned a, a book that I had purchased and getting in, you know, half uh, three chapters in, discovered that it was not uh, lining up with the Word of God, so we discarded that book. Um, don't allow pressure and uh, things to make you think that you have to follow their, um, their training. One of the things early on uh, I learned after high school, I was talking to a guy, and he had a unique sense of humor. And he said one of the things that he does is he never watches a show 
where they have canned humor. So he never had, you know, there are a lot of sitcoms that they kind of tell you when to laugh, and he, he said, I just don't, I avoid those shows. I don't watch them. So I kind of adopted that. I know, you know, what Friends was, but I never really watched it. Uh, I may have never watched an entire episode. Uh, Cheers the same way. There are a lot of shows out there that are trying to train you at the queue to laugh, and a lot of times that's how the world operates, is they're trying to train you to work when they want you to. So God uses dreams for guidance. Uh, one of the things that Smith Wigglesworth said was that the Spirit and the Word would agree more than ever as we got towards the end times in the last days. Uh, anybody question whether we're living in the last days or not? <laughs> it is crazy, and it's moving really quickly how fast the, the craziness is spreading and advancing. So we understand that the, the Spirit and the Word always agreed, but as we operate in it and we practice it more in our own lives, and we'll see it even more become more powerful. The Holy Spirit will not tell you something contrary to the Word of God. This is all things that we, we talked on last week, just reviewing. Um, and then I brought out that Dad Hagen said, that there's two ditches uh, on each side of the road, and he defined those ditches as being one, no belief for, whatever it is, and then the other ditch is believing to a point of error or uh, excess. And we saw, we see that in a lot of things. Where a lot of people don't think the prosperity message is for you, and then there's other people that take that prosperity uh, message to an excess or healing or anything that we can come up with. And it's the same way in, in this subject of dreams and night visions. We have people that aren't sure that it's for us. I hope that if you were here last week, we presented enough scriptural evidence to disprove that. It, dreams are in the Bible. Dreams are mentioned. There are 21 dreams that are mentioned in the Bible, and there's 122 times that the Bible refers to somebody having a dream or being a dreamer. So we see that it's common in the in the uh, scriptures and so we saw that on this side of the di of that ditch is that we need to believe so we stay out of the ditch by believing that dreams are for us and then on this side and i called it an oil pan ditch because if you get into this ditch there's a lot of error that can happen and that is trying to determine every uh, meaning of every you know the, uh, had a dream there was water in it well water represents this and and they you know dissecting the dream and trying to put a meaning in it uh, when the Bible says that the interpretation belongs to the Lord. Let's turn to Genesis 40 and verse 8. And this is Joseph. Now, he's been wrongfully imprisoned. The butler and the baker are in prison, and he's in there with them. And it seems like he has some freedom in this jail. But uh, verse 8 said, then they said to him, We have had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to, to God? Tell it to me, please. And if you follow through the story, you see that um, the, they shared their dream, and the dream was different for each of them. Sometimes God will give a dream to multiple people to accomplish one goal, but in this case, it was an individual dream, to one to the butler and one to the baker, and they had different outcomes. One lived and one didn't. So 
And we see that those dreams were totally separate. And then we go to Genesis 41. Verse 15 and 16. Now Pharaoh's having a dream. And the, the um, I think it was the butler that lived. And he remembered, hey, there's this guy in jail uh, that I forgot to tell you about. I should have told you about him two years ago. But I forgot. Uh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream. But no one can interpret it. And I have heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. It would been easy for Joseph to say, yeah, it's all me, I can do it, I can do it. But no, Joseph said an answer to the Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. He's not taking God's glory. He said, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So we see that in this case again, that God is the one that gives the interpretation to the dreams. So who can have dreams? We looked at the butler uh, and the baker. We looked at Pharaoh with the seven cows. Um, let's look at Nebuchadnezzar next. These are all unsaved people. And this is Daniel 2.11. Daniel 2.11. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there is no one who can declare it to the king except for gods whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. So the king Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream, and he goes to the wise men and says, hey, I've had a dream, but I'm not going to give you the dream because you could make up any kind of meaning, and I wouldn't know if that was right or not. And they turn around and they say, hey, there's nobody on earth that can interpret a dream and tell us what dream it was except for the gods. And let's drop down to verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and informed the, and kind of fill in the gap there, there was a decree out to kill the wise men because they couldn't, do, they couldn't fulfill this uh, command that the King Nebuchadnezzar put out. So Daniel finds out that, hey, my life is in, in danger, uh, and he goes to his his buddies Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they pray. Then, God, then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hannah, Misha, and the other guy, about this matter, <laughs> in order that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. And then it goes into, into um, verse 19. In the night, Daniel had a vision. So now God is, is going to give the interpretation to Daniel in a dream after they've prayed for it. And verse 20 says, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. And it is he who changes the times and the ephods and removes kings and establishes kings and gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding and it is he who reveals the profound and the hidden things he knows what is in the darkness 
and the delight dwells in him. And then verse 28, however, and then now he's back in front of Pharaoh. Uh, I'm sorry, in front of Nebuchadnezzar. Now he's back in front of Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, however, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. So then he gives him the interpretation of the, the statues and all the, the times and seasons that are set forth. So we can see that dreams can be given to unsaved people as well as saved people. Another example we used was uh, Pilate's wife. Pilate warned, or Pilate's wife warned Pilate about uh, punishing an innocent man. Then we touched on false dreams. You can, uh, you can emotionally get yourself so worked up that you can have a false dream. Jeremiah 29, 8 and 9 talks about that. We looked at that briefly. And then we talked about the third kind of dream, which is what most of us have most of the time, and that's just a pizza dream. It's just a dream from, you know, I had one last night. Um, I was crossing a bridge, maybe like the bridge that goes across the Yellowstone River uh, as you're going out to the landfill for fairly long, and I knew the water was going to come up over the bridge, and it came over not in a force, not like a tidal wave, but just a little bit of water came across it. And Then I woke up, and so I asked God, I said, Are you trying to tell me something? Is there something I should know? And nothing, so that's just a pizza dream. Had too much pizza last night. <laughs> and then we talked about knowing who to share your dreams with. Um, Genesis 37, 5 through 7, we, we have the story of Joseph and about the, uh, the stars and the moon that, that worshipped uh, him, and he shared that with his, fa- with his father, mother, and brothers, and they didn't appreciate that much, and it wound up uh, with a lot of envy and jealousy that led to sin. They wound up throwing him in, into a well and then later selling him to some uh, trade, traders that were going by. Some, uh, and that's how he wound up in, in Egypt. So if you don't get anything, walk away. If you do, uh, God will give you an interpretation to it if it's a, if it's a dream from him. And then we've unfortunately had some people that said that they didn't care what the Bible said. They weren't going to use the Bible as a rule. They know they heard from God. And we talked about that they didn't hear from God. That's, uh, that's error, and we need to avoid that. So today we're going to start. Let's look at Job 33. We're going to dig in a little deeper into this. And Job is before Psalms. Last I looked. Psalms 33:14. Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls on men while they slumber in their beds. So in verse 14, he's saying, God's been speaking to you, but you maybe have been so busy 
in your everyday life with distractions and all the things going on, but that you're not picking it up. When I was in sales, we had a, a company that they only had about four products, and they're all uh, in the AM, FM line of, of products. And the rep came in and he said, if you ever have somebody that, that uh, lives in an area where they can't get receptions, sell them one of my radios. It's got the most sensitive tuner on the market. And they had gone back to the early, uh, early 1900s when radio was very uh, popular and they had uh, taken some designs. I guess they, the patent obviously had run out on them, so they were available. And they had produced this um, kind of nostalgic-looking little radio. And it, it wasn't inexpensive. And I had a gentleman come in. He lived in the Bull Mountains. And he said, you know, I really like music, but I can't get any reception where I live. I said, aha, I have the answer for you. And I sold him this radio, and he was quite pleased with it. He said, it works really well. It pulls in stations that I haven't been able to get with either my car or any, anything else in my house. So the sensitivity was, was very high on that, on that tuner. And sometimes our sensitivity is kind of on the dull side or on the lower side just because of everything that we're going through <clears throat> with life and all the things that are distracting to us. So it says that God is speaking to us, but nobody is hearing it. So he comes to us in a dream and vision of the night when sound sleep falls on men while they slumber in their beds. Sometimes we just need to, to slow down, relax, quit talking, and praise God and listen to him spend time hearing from him. He opens the ears of men while they're asleep. And then verse 17, we'll get there. Verse 16 says, Then he opens the ears of men and seals their instructions, that he may turn men aside from, the, from his conduct and keep men from his pride. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from passing into to Sheol. So why does God give, talk to us in the night? Why does he give us night visions? Is to turn us aside from the, from the path that we had, had chosen. I shared last week about the dream where uh, I drove by a phone booth and, and a guy came out and tried to shoot my dog and I drove by three times and the interpretation that God gave to me was that if I'm not careful, uh, I was going to make a decision that would would uh, cost me and I would lose something that was very precious to me. So sometimes God will come and turn us from where we're going and take us in a different direction by showing us a dream. He keeps, and his purpose is for good. He is, he is for us. Um, God wants to minister to you. He's committed to our success. Let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8.31. And if we look at this, this chapter, 
God is telling us how important we are to Him. So, Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And, and Paul isn't questioning if God is for us. He's, you could replace that with, since God is for us, who can be against us? If we look, drop down, um, when we look towards the end of the chapter, verse 35, who can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulations, distress, persecutions, famines, nakedness, peril, or the sword? And the answer to that is no. None of those things will separate us from the love of God. So God's purpose in all of this is because he loves us. How else? You know, he, he loves us so much that he's willing to do everything to try and keep us from going down the right path, to keep us from uh, making mistakes in our lives, to keep us from injuring ourselves. So my question to you is, have you asked God for dreams? And if not, you should. You should, you should desire everything that God has for you. Um, the Bible says that if we ask for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give us a snake. So we don't have to be afraid that if we ask God to guide us in the night, that, um, that he's going to give us something that, that isn't of him. Remember, the Spirit and the Word agree. God shows you things. God wants to bring you from your wrong thinking to right thinking. The mind is the key. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We think wrong, we'll act wrong. So let's look real quickly at the gifts of the Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 12. And verses 8. I'm in 2 Corinthians. That won't work. You realize I've given you an excuse to sleep in church, don't you? Somebody questions you about it, you could say, well, I was getting a vision from God, you know. <laughs> it may have backfired there. Sorry, Pastor. <laughs> okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 8. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, another word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, verse 9, and another faith by the same Spirit, and another the gifts of healings by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, this is verse 10, and another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and another various kinds of tongues, and another interpretation of the tongue. But one Spirit and the same Spirit worketh all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. So if God can work through all those gifts, where a lot of them, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, tongues and interpretation and prophecy are all using your ears. It's all something that you hear. It's through the Spirit. Either somebody speaks it under the anointing or it's an interpretation of a, of a tongue given. So why can't God, through that same Spirit, give us things that we see? And that's really what a dream is. How many of you woke up from a dream and you, 
It was so real that you made you wonder for a second or two if it actually happened. You know, we've all had that where, uh, because we saw it in our mind's eye and it became very real. The Holy Spirit also wants to use our seeing, not just our hearing. What we see in our dreams can be very real to our mind. John 16, 13, and we looked at this last week, says um, that when the Spirit of God has, Jesus told us that the Spirit of, of God was going to be poured out, and when he comes, he will show you things to come. And then in Acts 2, we saw that uh, they, they, uh, they said that, um, in, quoted in Joel, where it said that he's going to pour out his spirit on, on our sons and our daughters and, our, on, and on our old men and on our young men. And I like the old men to change that to mature people, you know. Because really, I can think back and to when I was, you know, 30, I had spiritual dreams. So I wouldn't consider that old. But um, So what is God trying to, to get through to you? So we're going to look at different things that can be accomplished in dreams. Comfort. Fear is, is, is something that we struggle with. Uh, fear is not from God. Let's look at 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfect in love. We know that God is love, and that he loves us. So if we allow that perfect love to come into our life, it will drive out fear. There is no, no fear in love whatsoever. So the, one, the number one reason that God may give you a vision is to let you know that he loves you, to give you comfort. Then we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. We're going to go to Acts. This is Acts 18. And Paul had kind of a, a, a set way of going into a town. He he went into a town and he first found all the Jewish people that were in, in that town. And he preached to the, the Jewish people first that, one, the Messiah had come and that they needed to receive him. And then he spent usually two, three, four weeks talking and meeting with them and going over Scripture and showing how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. And normally after that what happened is there were some that believed, but then there were some that rejected and the ones that rejected usually stirred up a crowd and had a riot, and Paul got beat and, and whipped and you know ran out of town. Uh, but that was his, his way of operating. So we're going to look at Acts 18.6. And this is in, he's been in, in uh, Corinth, and he's been preaching the gospel. And when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood is upon your own head. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. 
So when you get rejected uh, over and over and over again, he probably saw this coming and goes, well, I know what happens now. You know, there's some that believe and some that, that uh, have stirred up a riot. Then verse uh, 7 said that he departed from the synagogue and he departed from there and went to the house of a certain man, Titus Justice, a worshiper of God, whose house was next to the synagogue. So he gets kicked out of the synagogue and he goes over to the parsonage. And he finds the, the pastor and he says, hey, you know, do you believe in Jesus? And he talks with this, the leader of the, of the synagogue was, live, was living in that house. And so he got the leader of the synagogue saved. He uh, converted him. And in verse 8, And Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with his whole household, and many of the Corinthians, when they had heard, were believing and being baptized. And then let's look at verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul in a night vision, do not be afraid, but, but speak, and do not be silent. And then verse 10, For I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. So some people think that Paul, you know, never felt any, any fear, um, never was afraid, never had to fight any of those feelings that, that we do. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 2, 3, we won't turn there, says that Paul was reminiscing and rem remembering. He said, and when I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. So Paul didn't deny that he had these emotions. And having these emotions um, is human. What becomes a problem is when we allow those emotions to rule us, when we allow fear to, to rule us. So God comes to, to Paul in a night vision and says, don't be afraid any longer. He wouldn't have said that if Paul wasn't dealing with fear. He would, wouldn't have had to address that. And then he says, but go on speaking. In other words, continue preaching the gospel just like you have been, because I've got a lot of people here who will support you. And then verse 11 says that, and he settled there for, for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And then verse 12, but while Galileo was pro-council, the, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat. Here we go. The, the non-believing Jews have gotten upset because Paul's been going around preaching the gospel, and so they bring him before Galileo, who is a, the Roman uh, governor of this town. And they brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about ready to open his mouth, so Paul's getting ready to defend himself, but Galileo interrupted him and said, Jews, if this was a matter of wrongdoing or of vicious crime, uh, it would be reasonable for me to put him up with with you but there but if there is a question about words and about names about your own law look after yourselves for i am unwilling to judge this matter so galileo's throwing this out of court he's basically saying 
This doesn't qualify for me to listen to it. I don't care what you guys do. Just go on, uh, go out and do this uh, yourself. And so he kicked them out of the courtroom. He, he said, and they, and he drove them away from the judgment seat. And they all took hold of Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. And Galileo wasn't concerned about any of these things. So Paul goes into a town. He preaches the gospel. He gets the leader of the synagogue born again. He preaches for a year and a half. And finally, the Jewish unbelievers get angry enough that they take him to the Roman governor. The Roman governor um, doesn't allow Paul even to defend himself. He says the charges are trumped up charges. I don't care. Get them out of here. And then the Greeks turn around and take the, the Jewish people that were the leader of the Jewish people that caused this riot, and they beat him up. So we can see that God uh, warned Paul, you know, that, that not to be in, in fear and, what, and even uh, worked so that God, uh, that Paul didn't have to defend himself. One of the other things, so that was, sometimes we need a word from God. That, uh, we saw that Paul got a word from God not to fear. Leading you. God leads us down a clean path. Let's look at Isaiah 42, 16. I know we're looking at a lot of scripture, but I want to. I want you to to see this is is a scriptural concept. So Isaiah forty two sixteen, then I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. In the past they do not know. I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them, and rugged places into plains. These things I will do. I will not leave them undone. So God says that he will guide us in places where we haven't been. We come in, come across things in life all the time that we've never experienced before, and we don't know how to deal with them. But God says he does, and he says he'll show it to us. There is no room for error. God wants you to know. Psalms 5 and verse 8 says that God will make your way straight before you. Psalms 27.11 says, lead me on a level path. 1 Samuel 28.15, let's go there. So this is the story of Saul. Saul had, the King Saul, Saul had heard and been led by God through a prophet and had talked and had talked, spoke to, to Saul, but Saul had gotten to the point where he wasn't listening to God anymore. Saul had rejected God. God had tried to lead Saul several times, but he refused to listen. 
Why should God keep trying to lead, to lead Saul until Saul repented and changed his way? So Saul's heard from God. He knows the ways of God, but then he goes and does his own thing repeatedly. So God says, I'm not going to not going to lead you anymore until you repent, until you turn and say that you'll listen to my ways. So in this verse, um, Saul finds a, a spiritist and has them bring up the, the, uh, the soul or the spirit of Samuel, who was one of the prophets that Saul listened to. And he was trying to conjure up and get um, guidance because God had quit talking to him. Or we can be the same way. If we refuse to listen to God, we become unteachable, uh, where we don't listen to what God says to us, where we become prideful, we know better. Um, things will go crickets, you know, and, and get very quiet. And that's, that's when it becomes hard to hear. And the, the easiest way to get out of that is to repent. If Saul had repented and turned to the Lord, instead of being more concerned, Saul was concerned about what people thought of him, about what the Israelites thought uh, of him. He was more concerned about that than doing what was right before God. So if Saul would have turned and said, God, I'm, I apologize, I'm sorry, I, now on I will listen to your guidance, I think God would have continued to guide him. So let's look at another concept of why we should have, why we can have dreams, and that's turning you around and changing you. And this is in Job 33. So theologians tell us that Job is one of the earliest books in the Bible as far as going back in time. And this again is our, our verse that we looked at. Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one listens in a dream and a night vision. When men are sound asleep while they slumber on their beds, then he opens their ears to men and seals their instructions that he can turn them aside from man's conduct and keep men out of pride. Once you've decided what you're going to do, it's almost impossible for you to hear from God. So let me give you an example. I was contemplating purchasing a car. We first moved to Tulsa. Uh, I was going to school. We needed two cars. We had a family, and, and uh, so found a car that was for sale. And I wasn't 100% sure that, you know, this was the, the car I should buy, but I went ahead and signed on the title. And the, the idea was that if, if within three days, if I decided I didn't want the car, I, I could return it. Well, I'd pretty much made the decision that once I signed on that title, that that car was, you know, going to be mine. 
it's really hard for God to, to turn you from uh, making a bad decision once you've gone that far. Once you've already set your mind to do something and you're going that way, it's pretty hard for God to, to turn you. Not saying impossible, but one of the ways that he can turn you is that he can show you in a dream uh, things that, that uh, uh, might be contrary. Uh, and that's because man's pride and his ego is very uh, strong. He sets his will, and he is going to, you know, we've all heard it, uh, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, just dig in harder, just, just work harder. So then the last thing that I wanted to bring out to you is could God talk to us about what he's going to do in the future as far as the outpouring of, of his spirit? Back in the 1900s, there was a great outpouring of God's spirit in a place called Azusa Street. Most of you have heard of it. It was the birth of the Pentecostal movement. The church of that day did not accept it. It didn't, um, it didn't believe that the speaking in tongues and all the, the things that were going on were of uh, God. However, that, like I said, that turned into the, the Pentecostal uh, movement. But in those same Pentecostal people in the 16. In 1960s, in that 60s movement, when the glossolalia, the tongues, and the gift of God went to the Catholics and to the Baptists, they were the first ones to reject it. They were the ones that fought against it. So, uh, can God do something that's different than what we think? If we look at what he's done in the, in the Bible in the past, he took an army of 30,000 and whittled it down to 300, which makes no sense to us, right? We're going to go to battle. We'd rather have the 30,000, but God said the 300 would be who he would work through and make, and make uh, Israel free. That's the story of Gideon. Uh, putting singers in front of the front line and going to battle, that really makes a lot of sense, you know. God's going to do something different in this day and age, and we may not, may not go the way we think it should. Are we going to be open to it? Um, how about telling Naaman to go dip in the muddiest river around instead of going up to the still water where the water runs nice and, and clean and clear? He told him to go to the Yellowstone River where it's all muddy and polluted, right? I mean, I'm using modern-day examples. But that was the complaint was, I can go back to my home country and dip in clean water. Why should I go dip in this muddy water? Um, Jesus spit in the, on the ground and made clay, put it on a, on a man's eyes, and he received his, his healing. God will do things differently. Will you be ready to accept it? It may not be the way you think. Um, what if God gave you a dream and you saw yourself in the grocery store? And you saw yourself laying hands on somebody and them being healed, or you praying for somebody and them uh, receiving an answer to their, their problem. And then a week later, it really happens in real life. You know, you'd be, you would get, well, that would help you get rid of that question of, 
should I pray for him? Uh, is this really God? You know, the things that we deal with. Um, so God can use dreams to guide you in what he wants to do in the, this next, next move. Can you move with God when he moves? Or will you, will you resist it? What God's going to do is probably going to go against tradition. Uh, if we look at Peter having the dream of the animals coming down in the, in the cloth and God telling him that it's not clean, three Roman soldiers showed up at his house and said, we've been sent to bring you uh, back. And he said, come on in and spend the night. We'll go out in the morning. That 100% went against Jewish tradition. Jews were not supposed to even really associate with Romans, let alone have a Roman in your house sleeping in your and feeding him and sleeping in your house. This to totally went against tradition. But Peter said, God's told me nothing is unclean. Uh, all men are worthy to hear the gospel. You know, I, I, last week I shared my dream of going through the Salt Lake City Airport and uh, praying for a gal that was mummified. If I'm in, if I really do go through the Salt Lake Airport, I will be looking for somebody in a in a mummy <laughs> that I can go over and pray for. Um, you know, I think it's another way that God can show us in the, these end times what He wants to do, uh, because it may not come the way that we're we're thinking that it, it will. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share Your Word. Father, I ask that deposits of grace and wisdom go forth and into the hearers. Thank you, Father God, that our hearts are open, that we're teachable, we're willing to learn from you. We thank you that your spirit is who guides us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.